Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. In the plentitude of their relationship, Florentina Ariza asked himself which of the two was love, the turbulent bed or the peaceful Sunday afternoons, and Sarah Noriega calmed him with the simple argument that love was everything they did naked. She said, spiritual love from the waist up and physical love from the waist down. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Love in the Time of Cholera. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 24. Hello, I'm G. I'm M. And today we're going to be talking about being kinky in a time of coronavirus. Indeed, kink in a time of coronavirus. This is a very intriguing title and quite the literary uh, reference that you've got here. Yes, Though I will admit to both you and our audience that I've only ever actually, like, I've only ever heard of the book. I haven't actually read it myself. (laughs) But hopefully people will appreciate the literary reference. And the reference is to Love in the Time of Cholera. Yes. Just in case anybody didn't know. But maybe a a good uh, chunk of our audience members will get the reference. Uh, yeah, I you know what what better time to read about romance during a time of sickness. <laughs> you know, if that's not if that's not too real for folks right now. So, I want to talk I want this to be a topic because I feel like with the social isolation we've got going on, there's a lot of complicated situations. We touched upon this a little bit in our last episode, which was um M, do you remember the title of our last episode? The last episode was P, that Polly episode, right? Right? Yes. It was, yes. It, it was, was our Polly Amarina pan. No, was it? I thought you didn't like that title. Wait, what? No, I suggest I suggest the literary reference for the pandemic one, and you, you said did, no. Yeah. Was, yeah, you suggested. You went for uh, the alliteration. Uh, yeah. Yes, I went for the alliteration, but I think it actually worked out well because I like kink in a time of coronavirus better than I liked polyamory in a time of coronavirus. I think polyamory polyamory in a pandemic worked out better. Yes. Uh, so yes, our last episode, we touched upon some of these topics a little bit of like how to maintain relationships, uh, maintain relationships with your polyamorous partners. And by the way, for the folks who are not polyamorous and are just listening to this episode, a lot of that advice is applicable to relationships which are not romantic. Just, you know, getting better at staying in touch with people, coordinating your time, you know, all this stuff is useful for your other relationships that are not just the romantic slash sexual ones. Of course, and like, just just like how people who listen to polyamory topics, articles, shows, podcasts, they can often apply it to monogamous type things. Uh, Because a lot of the values are similar anyways. So a lot of these topics are going to overlap to a degree, but we are going to try to highlight some specific kinky things. Uh, Yes, we are. And so I thought about this for a little bit, and I feel like 
generally speaking, of course, there's going to be a lot of edge cases and you know unique circumstances. Generally speaking, there's sort of three situations that are happening right now. One is you are by yourself and you have kink partners, but you don't have a long distance dynamic. Uh, you are by yourself and you don't have a long distance dynamic right now. Yeah, so you could, you might have other partners, or maybe you just don't have anybody, regardless of if they're with you or not. Yeah. Another scenario is uh, you are right now isolated or quarantined with your kink partners. And the third scenario is you are in a long distance dynamic with a kink play partner right now. These are generally three really good broad categories of situations. Yeah. I spent a long time trying to think of like how to define these sort of very broadly. Is there any other sort of broad situation you might think of that I haven't covered here? I think, no, these are generally this the the broad categories. I would say just the first one is that you are by yourself and don't have a long distance dynamic right now. Could be that you are also isolated with people, but they're not your partners and your partner's are not in a long distance dynamic with you. So I think these are also like a little bit flexible in terms of how they manifest. Uh, Yes. But I think each of these sort of three broad categories comes with their own sort of unique stresses, which I want to talk about in this episode. Oh yeah. Each of them has stressors. Yeah. So if you don't mind me talking about myself a little bit, (laughs) I'm sort of, I sort of fit into this first category of I am, I'm isolated and I uh, don't have a long distance dynamic with uh, any of my partners. So, and there are a couple of, there are a couple different reasons for this. One of which is, as our listeners know, I'm not so big on the DS, on the power exchange, uh, I guess I should say. No, you are not. (laughs) And I feel like the type of play I usually do is particularly hard to do long distance right because you are more of a sadistic top and you do a lot of um sensation type play and other things that normally involve more physical contact yeah Uh, yeah Uh, you know i'm mostly sort of a sensation top i can do like sadistic stuff which is generally my preference but i also can do nice things as a top but you know i don't really get a I don't really get a charge out of ordering people around or uh, like ordering somebody to like, I don't know, slap themselves, I guess. And sort of another reason that this has, this is true is that like my, in my current life, I've got a lot of stress even before this whole pandemic slash coronavirus. And, you know, my, my sort of kink identity had already been kind of waning before this all hit. And it's really hard for me right now to sort of imagine starting up a long distance dynamic right now. Yeah. But, you know, this has led to me uh, starting to do some kinky things by myself. Now, one thing that's useful in my specific case is I am a switch. I do bottom for stuff. Uh, So that means like a lot of the stuff that I top for is stuff I also enjoy So, for example, I like to top knife play. Part of the reason I like to top it is I also enjoy the sensation of knives myself. So 
one thing I've been doing a lot more of since this whole sort of pandemic started is that I have been doing a lot more knife play on myself. And I've also sort of been contemplating breaking out the violet wand and using that on myself. That sounds fun. Yeah. And there's I'd all be really kinds curious. Of... <laughs> what would you be curious about? I'd be really curious about how that feels like to do on yourself. It's it's really nice. I have done it. I have done it to myself before, mostly to I, I did it more towards the beginning when I was starting off with Violet Wand because I want to see how things felt and yeah. also change like the intensity of the Violet Wand and see like how much I could take before it became painful. Right. But it's a little bit different doing it like in that scenario versus doing it, I guess, as a kinky activity with yourself. No, true enough. True enough. So, you know, you're you're pointing out a couple different types of play um, that you can do with yourself. And you say, or here in the notes, you said that there are all kinds of play that you can do by yourself that's not dangerous. And I think that this is interesting. We'll highlight some, some other examples. But, you know, I think actually most kink can be done by oneself as long as one is fully aware of the risks. And I think about this because it's like, why is rope play okay solo? Because like a lot of people do self-tying, self-suspension things like that. I myself do that. But self-needle play, for example, is often seen as inherently wrong or maybe even akin to self-harm. So you know what? I say like really just know the risks and assess your own situation. And you have to decide whether you are in the correct mental space and physical space to engage in that kink. Yeah, I guess I was actually referring to one very specific form of play when I made that comment about not dangerous. Okay. I was thinking about uh, breath play, essentially. Okay. And doing that by yourself, which is something I know people do, but it has, you know, if you're not very careful, it can go badly very fast. Yes, that's true. It can. So, you know, if you... If that is something that is a kink of yours, I would recommend doing a lot of research, putting in sort of backup plans before sort of doing breath play by yourself. Yeah, definitely like different risks have or different kinks have different levels of risk. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've never heard of like self needle play as being wrong or self harm before. Yeah, I've had someone actually say that to me. Actually, a previous partner of mine found that when I mentioned that I was curious about doing some self-needle play, uh, he was pretty against that idea. Hmm. So, you know, everybody has different perspective too, but I I didn't see anything inherently wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it, it depends on the person. Like if there's a history of self-harm before the needle play, there's obviously a different risk factor there. But, you know, I don't think needle play in of itself is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, let, let me rephrase that. I don't think self-needle play is necessarily an indication of self-harm. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly don't think so. But I have heard that argument, in fact, from past partners. And so it's just something that I wanted to bring up here because, you know, some people might have that perspective. And also, if you want to engage in different types of play that might be be seen as a little bit more riskier, have a little bit more, you know, of these elements that might indicate harm. I think it's fine as long as you are assessing your situation. 
Yeah. So, but going on to things that are kind of like, quote unquote, less dangerous or because they're not even, you know, all of these can be dangerous. Let's just be honest. All kink, even if it's by yourself solo, can be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing with this knife pretty frequently uh, and I've not harmed myself yet, but there's always the possibility that I could lose control of the knife and cut myself. That is a risk I am taking when I do this knife play, but I am also fairly confident in my ability to to control the knife. Are you all right? Yeah, I was just, I'm not really sure uh, how to transition here. I was going to go on and talk more about rope stuff, but I didn't want to. Well, I mean, I can just edit out the bit about the knife play and you can just start talking about rope. No, 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 it's fine. But I mean, rope also has its own dangers absolutely well this that that was my point too is like i do self-tying um i used to do a lot more self-suspension i don't do that as much anymore but rope can definitely be dangerous so you know whether you're with a partner or you're by yourself it's lots of fun though and i think something that i'm seeing people start organizing is you know if you have kinky friends or kinky partners who are far away you could maybe even do like a zoom rope group and like all share like little tips about how to tie or, you know, all practice a certain tie together. Yeah. So. Because you, you've actually been doing, you've been doing rope with somebody, right? Over Zoom? Am I misremembering that? Yeah, well, I've done, I've done rope with someone over Skype and I was going to be doing some uh, Zoom rope, but then it didn't end up happening. But that's definitely something that I want to definitely put on my list to do. So video chatting, we've mentioned that in the polyamory in a pandemic episode, but video chatting can definitely be used for kink as well. Yes. Other things that you can do, you know, there's impact play. I've definitely tested out a lot of hitty things on myself. And, you know, you can, depending on what you got available, you know, there's pretty much every part of the body is available for you to, um, for you to do impact play on. Temperature play is another way, is another thing you can do play around with sort of ice cubes or those ice packs or uh, I'm now blanking on what those things are called that have like big rubber things that have got a bunch of hot water in them. The big rubber things that have hot water in them. Yeah, they're like from the 1950s when like heating wasn't so good. So you'd like put one in your bed to help keep you warm throughout the night. Hmm. Uh, But I'm blanking on what it's called. Uh, but there are other things you can use on the warm end to, like, play around with temperature. Yeah, absolutely. You you put a note here about hypnosis, right? Yes, exactly. So, yes, so we've talked about a lot of, like, physical things that you can do with yourself. The knife play, rope impact, temperature play. But you can also play with, you know, your own mind. Um, so if you are doing solo kink, or even if you're doing kink over video chat or whatever hypnosis is definitely an option so lots of people in the hypno community do self-hypnosis and you don't even have to be kinky to do self-hypnosis but now is a great time to break out that skill or develop that skill so if you have a hard time getting yourself into a hypnotic state or into trance or anything like that there are audio clips that you can listen to online if you prefer to have like an external voice so i find that hypnosis is a kink that is definitely achievable solo or over video chat or listening to clips and sort of along the lines of that as weird as this one sounds even ds is possible solo so uh 
Can, can, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, most people are like, wait, what? I know most people think that this is pretty wild, but it's actually like possible to create like a persona in your mind to act as the D or S type to you. So for any of our, our audience members who know anything about tulpamancy, gee, do you know what tulpamancy is? I do not. Tulpamancy, and I'm not, you know, I'm familiar with um, tulpas, but I'm not super ingrained in the community. So I, I apologize if I'm saying anything wrong for those listening. But tulpamancy is the idea of creating basically like an advanced imaginary friend, if you can imagine that, that sort of eventually becomes its own persona or its own person that lives inside your mind. And so this is separate from people who experience like a dissociative thing, although they can overlap. So basically, uh, you know, you can actually construct a D-type or an S-type or switch if you wanted to um, that you can interact with in your mind. And so because I don't have a current D-type, I'm in that situation of, you know, I don't currently have a long distance dynamic. I don't have a current D-type and I can't go make new play partners easily right now. So I actually do have a constructed D-type in my mind that helps to give me orders and fulfill some of the submissive, submissive urges that I have. And actually, like, I've noticed that this D-type that I have that's inside my mind does take on, you know, new characteristics or changes over time. And to pull it into nerdy stuff, I know that this is going to sound so wild, probably. But I'm waiting with bated breath. My D-type has taken on a lot of similarities to Worf from Star Trek (laughs) TNG. Yes. So there is a, a, a wharf inside of my brain. Not exactly wharf, let me just be very clear there, but pretty close. So that's pretty cool. So yes, you can actually do that. You can create a D-type and S-type inside your mind. That's interesting. I, I was not aware this was a thing, but I, now that you've described it, it is a thing that I've done before, though not to the extent it seems you have. Like when I was first sort of coming to terms with my statistic side, I sort of created another persona to sort of sort of be my inner sadist, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. But eventually, I just sort of grew comfortable with the idea of, of me being a sadist. So I just sort of let the persona drop after a while. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, these personas that you develop, whether they're full-on tulpas or they're just like different aspects of you, that can be a healthy and normal way to explore your various interests or kinks. And, you know, getting back to the basics in all of this, isn't masturbation just a kink, really? You know, if you're, <laughs> you're solo right now, you know, as a kinky ace, I sometimes really view sex and sex-adjacent activities as a kink just in of themselves, which I think I've mentioned in the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So now's just like the perfect time to just watch some porn, read some erotica, listen to the erotic hypnosis tracks, whatever floats your boat. Uh, yeah, I do believe that if if you're listening to this while this uh, pandemic is going on, I do believe Pornhub is giving everybody 30 free days for Pornhub Premium. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, if you, if you ever wanted to watch uh, some of the HD stuff or some of the gated off stuff on Pornhub, you can for 30 free days, and they won't ask for your credit card. Uh, so they don't automatically charge you when the 30 free days ends. That is fascinating. That's pretty cool. So speaking of um, reading erotica, you are 
you're writing erotica, right? Uh, I mean, writing might be a little bit of a stretch, but you know, I'm sort of, uh, I'm writing like captions for like pictures or gifts that I see. Okay. So it's not like long form erotica. It's usually at most like a couple paragraphs. Okay. But yeah, I have been writing some of that, you know, just sort of whatever sparks my, whatever sparks my erotic imagination. That's pretty cool. I actually really want to get into writing some erotica, more so like writing fanfic with erotic elements to it. Okay. Maybe the this, you know, whole quarantine thing, self-isolation thing, It's it might be a good time to get started on some of those projects. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, like what fanfics are you thinking about doing? Well, currently because I'm like so into Star Trek, I... I think I would love to do a Star Trek one. I had read a fanfic. It wasn't very kinky, but it did feature Jordy and Data as partners. Okay. And I really love that that pairing. So, it's only better than whatever they did with uh, Jordy throughout the show relationship-wise. Well, I haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished TNG yet, but so far he hasn't had many successful relationships. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of what I'm alluding to. That's so sad. He deserves a nice relationship with Data and Data's cat. (laughs) But let me tell you, if you ever watch Voyager, the most luckless person when it comes to relationships is Ensign Harry Kim. Whenever you see him start a relationship, you're like, oh boy, (laughs) hope he comes out of this all right. Uh, but we've kind of ventured off topic here. We did a little bit, sorry. Though speaking of Voyager, and I know this is a stretch for a segue. <laughs> I love when we do these stretches. All right, go ahead. <laughs> if we want to talk about long distance relationships. <laughs> oh my gosh, G. Oh boy, G. That is quite a segue. Are you okay, G? <laughs> I'm laughing at my own joke. You are. Um, Hold on, I've got the giggles. Oh, no. We might have to edit those out. Maybe we keep them. Um, so, okay. long-distance long I'm dynamic. a professional. All right, so we, okay. have, we have addressed that you're by yourself. You don't have a long-distance dynamic. We're going to talk about being in a long distance with a kinky play partner. So this is that. Sorry, did I say that right? Yes, you are in a long distance relationship with a kinky play partner right now. So first up, any dynamic is already a lot of work. Secondly, this is going to be even more work. Yes, it is going to be work. However, this is something that already existed sort of pre- pre-pandemic times. Oh, yeah, of course. So I did find some online resources talking about sort of things you can do to to maintain a healthy long-distance relationship. And I'll include those links in the show notes for people who are interested. Yes, I haven't read these links yet. However, I do recognize the last one, submissiveguide.com, because I've read a lot of their stuff. And overall, it's been... Um, pretty well written 
However, I haven't looked at the other two sites, so I'm curious to also investigate those myself later. Yes, I, I gave them both a brief read. Again, they all three of them kind of focus on the DS aspect of kinky relationships. So maybe there's some nuance that I'm missing because of that. But they all seem to be relatively good guides on how to sort of maintain that kind of relationship long distance. Yeah, I'm sure even if they are focused more on DS, because I feel like, again, this goes back to the whole thing about if you are more into sensation play or you're more a sadist or a masochist or whatever, it's harder to establish a dynamic built around those thing that, things that is long distance, whereas it's easier to have something long distance that's more mental or more emotional. So something like DS that tends to have, but not necessarily, a more emotional or mental component, that is easier often to set up as a long distance things, long distance thing versus um, like a sadomasochistic relationship. Yes. So the main takeaways from doing a long distance dynamic is, of course, negotiation. Yes. So something that's important in every relationship, good communication, doesn't matter whether it's short distance, long distance, middle distance, good communication is always helpful for relationship. But when you're doing a long distance uh, power exchange dynamic, I feel like both negotiating the dynamic is doubly important. Oh, yeah. And also having like, I remember you mentioning this M when we talked about power exchange, but also like having good negotiated check-in times. Yes, this is so important. So important. I feel like both negotiating the dynamic and negotiating those check-in times are doubly important for long-distance dynamics. Absolutely. And also aftercare is, again, doubly important if you do something intense long-distance. And I, I have an anecdote to that as well. I had done a Skype interrogation. Okay. That was done using hypnosis, so it's able to be done pretty easily long distance. And it was very intense. The scene lasted three hours. I was in a pretty immense amount of mental and physical pain from the... Because even though my partner was not able to physically be there, he was able to manipulate my mind so I felt a physical sensation. And so, you know, aftercare in that case became crucial. It was crucial for us to come down from that because he was not there to give me the cuddles. He was not there to give me the um, the physical touch or to come bring me water, come bring me chocolate. So doing aftercare uh, long distance is quite a challenge. Yes, I realize I'm actually bad at this part, but I think checking in after the scene is very important. This is something I probably should be doing more of for my actual like physical scenes I do. But I feel like checking in after like a couple days after the scene is even more important in these long distance relationships. Yes. Um, checking in a couple days. Yeah. And even saying ahead of time, like we can talk about the scene afterwards. If you if you feel up to it, we can talk about the scene in a couple days. Or even if you're, you know, thinking back on this in a year and you need to talk about it, you know, at any point in time. So definitely keeping that flexible. So can, so can I just say, I think the closest I've come to, like, doing a long-distance kink at this point is when I was kind of teasing you about the Indian restaurant. 
Oh my gosh. Oh no. Don't bring it up. Oh no. Oh my gosh. The Oh my gosh. Why would you do that to me? Gee, you don't understand for those who are tuning in. I, I love Indian food and G has access to actually good Indian food right now. And I do not. And I have no way to get it because I'm pretty much stuck here because of the situation. And what did you do? You sent me a picture of garlic naan. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That was pretty sadistic. Yeah, that's probably like the most fun I've had kink wise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a partner in a while. You know, you can you can always be emotionally sadistic with me, G. I'm always down for that. OK, uh, that's uh, that's good to know. I. Yeah, I, didn't, I remember at the time, like, I didn't want to, like, push it too much. I remember sort of thinking to myself, I should talk to you about it later. Yeah, we could, we can definitely negotiate that. Okay. But we, we shall, we should do the negotiating off air, though, you know, it's entirely possible another episode may do, may be devoted to uh, negotiations. Didn't we already do that? No, we, did we? I thought we I gave us so. negotiating in real time. I forget. Okay. Well, anyway... Our last and final situation is being isolated with a kinky play partner right now. So right now you are at home, wherever you are, and you are living with and quarantined with your kinky play partner or partners. So I will say this is my most accurate situation. I don't have a long distance DS dynamic right now. I don't have a long distance D type but I am isolated right now with a kinky play partner. So I want to say up front right now, because our mental health is all at risk because of the COVID thing, mental illnesses are being exacerbated for many, many people. Being isolated with a kinky play partner or a power exchange partner can have its own complications. And I just want to validate everybody that turning to kink during this time is totally okay. But... And this is my biggest thing. It is not a substitute for therapy. Kink can definitely help, but it might not solve all of your issues. And especially right now, things are super complicated. So my only like thing is like, be careful to recognize if you're using kink in your relationship as a healthy coping mechanism, or if it's becoming unhealthy. And of course, even if you're just doing solo kink, you should also check in with that. And you might consider if you are, you know, isolated with your kinky play partner right now, consider being extra open with your partner about these thoughts at this time. So if you're concerned that you are turning to kink for not the wrong reasons, but you're using it as an avoidance tactic, you know, just be aware of that and try to check in with yourself and your partner. Gee, I know yeah. you're not, I know you're not in this situation, G, but what is your thought on that? I mean, everything you said is, I think true. Like, you know, I I'm dealing with my own sort of mental health issues and, uh, you know, kink is never a substitute for a therapist that you get along with. I, I do want to say I don't I don't have personal experience with this because I don't have a kink partner that I'm isolated with right now. But I did see a lot of people on various uh, subreddits, you know, talking about, you know, how like they started off the quarantine. And it was just kind of like like a kink honeymoon, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, oh, it's like. We've been talking about like doing a 24-7 dynamic for for you know a couple months or a couple years, and now we can actually do a 24-7 dynamic. <laughs> Cause we're literally not leaving the house. 
Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wait, sorry. I don't want to make you lose your train of thought, but that's so funny because I know so many times in the past I've said, you know, oh, you know, 24 DS is so hard because most people, you know, they go to work or whatever, even if just one of them goes to work, it's like, you know, it's not like you're home together all the time. Well, now that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just, it's not just only like 24 seven DS. There's a bunch of other people I've seen who like, who start talking about, oh, you know, I suddenly get to like, spend all this time, do all this kinky stuff with my partner. But as with a lot of things, like, you know, there's, there's a limited time for the honeymoon period. And the, the, the human mind craves variety. And that includes like variety in meeting other people. So I've seen some people on, on like various subreddits, like talk about, you know, how like, you know, they had this sort of kink honeymoon period and now things are kind of like, it's it's not like their relationships are deteriorating, but it's like when you're sort of forced in close quarters, like flaws become amplified. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, this is somewhat, uh, you know, to use an analogy, this is somewhat a little bit like, you know, you've been dating someone for a while and then you decide to move in together. Suddenly, like things which hadn't been which hadn't been like. Some something which hadn't annoyed you before, now that you moved in together, now really annoys you. This is kind of like a a similar situation of like, oh, we've been together for a while, but now we're around each other twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Right. Yeah. So you know, I'm in this sort of position. I'm I'm isolated with my boy, who is sort of casually submissive to me. We do we do DS mostly in play if we're going to do it, but we also just have a casual element in our day-to-day. And now our day-to-day is entirely around each other. So we've had to learn how to schedule our playtime better, how to be flexible with each other, and even just brushing up on our communication. So something that I really appreciated about this is like, we've definitely had our struggles. Me and X have been really struggling in a lot of ways, but one of the things that I found was excellent on his part was that he came to me and verbally said, I specifically want this very specific kink activity. And that was helpful to me because, you know, now that we're around each other all the time and things are just kind of the norm, you know, you're just letting things go by at this point. So it was nice to have a very firm, like, you know, this is what I want, assertive kind of thing. And being able to do that right now, I think is helpful. Yeah, I mean, I also think that's just an, that's a good skill for yeah anybody to have during any time. Yeah, uh, but especially for people on the uh, on the bottom side of the slash. Yeah, I think I mean I think it's definitely good for everybody. But like you're saying, I, yes, for the bottom side of the slash because a lot of bottoms kind of leave it up to the top to decide what to do and when to do it. And not that there's, you know, if that's your negotiated thing and that's what you're all about, that's cool. But personally, from my own experience, it is really helpful to have a bottom who can also verbalize what they want in it and to have the top be flexible enough to let the bottom decide sometimes. Yeah, I will say one one of the things I like about a kink partner is if they have their own toys, which they like. Because I've, I've played with a couple of people and they're like, oh, it's like, instead of using your toys, let's just use my, let's just use my toys. And I'm like, oh, you already like all these sensations? That makes things so much easier for me. Right. 
they have like a bottom bag. Yeah. A bag of things that they like to bottom to. Yes. Which, and I think I had mentioned this during the polyamory in a pandemic episode, but X now has a WeVibe, which is a vibrator that, you know, your partner can control via an app. So that's also quite fun. So we are trying also some new things. Okay. Well, those were the sort of three general situations which kink people might find themselves in right now. And even if you are, and if you are kinky, but not polyamorous, and you've not listened to our previous episode about polyamory in a pandemic, I would recommend that you listen to it because I feel like there's just a lot of useful advice just generally speaking, about maintaining relationships in that one? Yes, definitely. I think that that episode, um, polyamory, polyamory in a Pandemic, can definitely apply to anybody in any relationship style. So... I think that's about it for our episode, then. Awesome. Well, if you like our content and you'd like to hear more of it, check out our donation link at the bottom of the show notes. Yes, and, uh, you know... You may be isolated right now, but, you know, don't be afraid to share this episode with the kinky people you are in long distance relationships with, your friends who you're in long distance relationships with, you know, whoever you think might benefit from this episode. Additionally, I am working on a subreddit, which is r slash KNP podcast. Oh, so exciting. We get our own subreddit. Uh, yes, so I, I am the moderator of the subreddit, and I've mostly just been posting things which amuse me to the subreddit. But I think for this episode, I will post a a discussion topic if people want to meet up and talk about this episode or talk about what they're doing during the uh, a, a, as kinky activities during the pandemic. During that the sounds awesome, G. And with that... This is M. This is G. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KMP Podcast. You can find us at kmppodcast.tumblr.com. Or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. These Japanese emojis. Aren't they cute? <laughs> They're very cute. What was that one which I was like, why why does this exist? Oops. I was trying to copy a different one. Oh, was it the butt one? The, no, it wasn't a butt. It was like an insect. Oh, okay. Is that is that supposed to be a butt? <laughs> No, that's not a butt. <laughs> that is a embarrassed face. Okay. Because you see the streaks going across it. It's not a butt. How would that be a butt? Wait, that's I don't like know. The butthole? The little triangle? The triangle might be a butthole. Well, it's not. 